title of my message this morning is Kings and Priests. Kings and Priests. And we're going to go to the book of Revelations. And I have to be really careful not to talk about Revelations because then I just go off on end times. And I'm so excited about the Lord coming back. And I'm going to reel it in and keep it into what I'm talking about this morning. But just so you know, Revelations means unveiling um, mysteries. The book of Revelations was given to the church for us to tell us the things to come. And God has exciting things. A lot of people are scared of the book of Revelations. And it's only because they don't understand it. Revelations is full of promises. And actually, there's a blessing on the book. It says whoever hears the word, reads the word. Just reading the prophecies, there is a commanded blessing on our life. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, there's a blessing just on the word of God, but God specifically points out revelation. So God wants to tell us things to come. He wants to reveal this. Do you know that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit? He's our comforter. He's our teacher. But the Bible actually says he will tell us things to come personally and corporately. It's his job. It's what he wants to do. If we would lend him our ear, if we give him our heart, he wants to speak to us. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call out to me. God says, call out to me, and I'll tell you great and mighty things, things you do not know, mysteries. I want to reveal it to you. That's exciting to me. But do you see that it's on us? We have to call out to him. And so God downloads this amazing prophecy to John, and he says, write it down and give it to my church. Specifically, he says, give it to my church. But I, today I want to focus on Revelations 1.6. I want to talk about our position in Christ Jesus and the authority we have. So Revelation 6.1, it says, And he has made us kings and priests unto the Lord and his Father. To him be the glory, dominion forever and ever. Um, some translations say kingdom. Does yours say kingdom or does it say king? Who says kingdom? Okay. So some translations say kingdom and some say it says king. And I was reading a multiple translation, so I go to the original language, the Greek, to see what this word really means. Because if are we kings or are we part of a kingdom? It's kind of a big difference because you can be subjects in a kingdom or kings. That's, that's a big difference, don't you think? And in the original, it is kings. And it is exactly what you think it means. It means ruling over people and commanding. And so we are called kings and priests unto the Lord and his Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever. So there's a beautiful duality in our position in Christ Jesus. And this kings and priests, I'm going to talk about both of them today. So let's start with kings. Kings is leader of people, prince, commander. And you know, just ladies, that, you know, there's a lot of male nouns in, in, in the scripture, but we are the same in the spirit. There's no male or female. In the spirit, we're spirit. So this is for all of us. We are called to take dominion over this earth. And we don't necessarily rule over people. But we lead people to Jesus. But we are called to rule over the demonic powers that rule over people. That is where we use our authority. 
We don't control people. Love does not control. God never controls us. It's a choice. But there is an authority we have in the heavenly realms over principalities and powers that are controlling people. And that is where our authority comes in as kings before the Lord. We are kings of the king of kings. Jesus is the king of the lesser kings, his kids. We're kings, but we surrender to the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we lead people to Jesus. But at the same time, the Bible says in Revelations 1, 6, we are priests unto the Lord. And so when you look up that word priest, it means one who ministers to the Lord, the one who makes sacrifices to the Lord, and the, the one who um, uh, makes sacrifices, ministers to the Lord, and stays in the presence of the Lord. So I want to talk about this because this is so powerful. Romans 12.1, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We're not called to die. <laughs> I mean, some of us might be martyred for the Lord, but we're a living sacrifice. And what we're sacrificing is the flesh, our soulish desires, our pride, we're sacrificing that. We've died to the old man, and now we're living for the Lord. We're a living sacrifice. And it says this is our reasonable sacrifice. This is holy and pleasing to God, and it's our true worship. True worship to the Lord is when we lay down our lives for him. For anybody who's, um, you know, been walking with God, you know that his plan is better than our plan anyways. It sounds like you're sacrificing, but actually his plan and desires for us is better than anything we could think for ourselves. Every time we lay down what we think is best and pick up his idea, we're upgraded. It's, it's so blessed. In Hebrews 4.14, it says, Jesus is our great high priest. See, Jesus is priest and king. He's the king of kings. But he is actually making intercession for us right now. He's making intercession for us, and it says that he sympathizes with us. He's a sympathetic, compassionate high priest. And as he's interceding for us, we are called to intercede for others. He intercedes for us, and we intercede for others with his same heart. He said he was man. He went through everything we could possibly go through, and he understands, and out of that, he's making intercession. It's not a judgment intercession. It's not, oh, gosh, I hope they change intercession. It's this compassionate, loving intercession to get us into destiny. And with the same heart, we are called to intercede for others. And this is ministering to the Lord also, drawing close to him and getting his heart. It's not a one-time thing. We have to stay in the presence of the Lord. As we are amazing priests, we're better kings unto the Lord. Um, as priests, we're called to live a life of surrender, sacrifice, and worship to God. We stay close to the presence and making intercession for others. And the church has become pretty selfish. Like, let's just be honest. <laughs> At least the church in America. We've kind of been um, self-seeking in what we need and our needs, and we kind of forget about the sacrificial life that we're called to. Um, 
1 Timothy 2, 1 and 3, Timothy says, I urge you first of all. So this word urge is like, listen, listen, listen above everything else. I want you to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. We are the intercessors. We are the connectors from heaven to earth. It's our job to intercede for all people. If we're not praying for them, nobody else is. It's what we're called to do. First of all, intercede on their behalf. They don't even know what they need. But we get a download from the Lord in praying over people. And it says, and give thanks for them. Thank God for their lives and the calling they have. We pray them up into destiny. It says, pray this way for kings and for all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. How do we have godliness and dignity in our nation? Intercession. It is the number one way we are called to bring heaven on earth. And it is by our authority and prayer using the name of Jesus. And then verse 3, it says, this is good and pleases our Savior. You want to know what pleases God? When we will intercede and pray for others. That all come into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It starts with prayer. It starts with his standing in the gap and praying that God would soften their heart, that God would encounter them. Miracles start happening when we pray. It's really hard to be selfish when you're interceding for others. You know, we have to intentionally not be selfish. It's really easy <laughs> to get into your own world and stay there. But intercession is purposely deciding that I am going to stand in the gap and, and take the heart of the Father God over somebody else who doesn't even know how to pray for themselves. It's powerful. Um, as Jesus is making intercession for us, we stand in the gap and we intercede for the world. It's our call and it's our mandate. Um, I grew up in a, in a very heavy prophetic intercession church. I mean, all-nighters, 24-7 uh, prayer was huge. And I marry a word of faith man. <laughs> And it was so amazing, this combination of the word of faith and the intercession and prophetic. I mean, you guys know that Ben is such a priest, too, because of the worship that you carry on your life. I fell in love with him through the worship. When he was 19 years old, I saw him totally abandoned to the Lord. And I said, yeah, God, I want that. <laughs> Can you get me that, God? <laughs> I love his heart as the priest, but... I, the Word of Faith movement, I'm so thankful for the Word of Faith movement because it really grew up the church in taking authority. The church was pretty passive, and there's still pockets of the church that's pretty passive. Like, oh, well, if I'm sick, you know, I'm just going to suffer for the Lord. What? Jesus took it on the cross. If you would even try to picture his face of the pain that he took, the beating he took for our healing. How could we ever think that would be logical? 
But the word of faith movement really helped the body of Christ. Like, no, stand up and speak over that and take authority. The enemy has no right. And so this passive church became bold in these amazing kings. But what I've noticed is if you are a king without being a priest, you can become pretty prideful very fast. And Jesus is a humble king because he's king and priest, and we need both. Yes, we have to take authority, but it's actually spending time in the presence of God and hearing his heart and remembering who he is. You know, we lose the awe of God when we don't get in the presence. But we get into the beauty of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. We hear the heart of God so that we can go out and be the powerful kings on this earth that God has called us to be. It's both. It's both, and we need both. Prayer keeps us humble. I've seen a lot of people get so confident being kings and commanding that they forget to be the priest unto the Lord. And the priesthood is the intimacy We need the intimacy. I say if we have to choose one, we choose to be the priest. Because God is a relational God who would rather relationship. But you can't help having action, doing things, being in the presence of the Lord. Because you get his heart. And and it's the fuel. It's the fuel to go. I was thinking about Ben and I started working out together. Um, JT, is JT here? He's Thank you. He's been helping us. He has a workout plan for us. And Ben takes his pre-workout before we go. And it's like this supercharge to really do a good workout. That is like prayer before going out. That is in the presence of God. It's the, that's a good one, right, JT? <laughs> the pre-workout. It's the energy. It's the passion. It's the heart of God to go into the world and do what he's called us to do. And it keeps us humble because it's not about us. And oh, how quickly we can make it all about us. I know. I know things get thrown our way and our world can get really big really fast. And the enemy loves that. He loves for us to keep our eyes on ourselves that we are ineffective. But you get in the presence of the Lord and all of a sudden you're undone. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when you get the presence of the Lord? You're undone and you're like, oh, yeah. It's not about me. That's why worship is so powerful. Worship nights are so powerful. And if you struggle being a priest, you should be here every month on worship night and learn to get in the presence of God. There's no agenda but just to be in the presence of God. And who you behold is who you will become. Who you behold is who you'll become. It's the intimacy, the priest is the intimacy, the prayer, the connection with God, and it's foundation to be a great king before the Lord. This is what I love about King David. Now, who knows the very first king that Israel had in the Old Testament? Does anybody know? Saul. God called Saul. And it said that Saul was handsome. He was so much taller than any other person, broad shoulders. I mean, everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's going to be a good king. I like this king. Right? And, and, and actually, God didn't even want a king. He said, let me be your king. You don't need a king. Nobody needs to rule you. I'll, I'll, I'll be your king. No, no, no. We want to be like the other nations. Give us a king. We'll follow the king. Okay, here's your king. 
Sometimes God gives us the things that we really want, even though they're not good for us. It's like we learn that way. <laughs> um, this is why we need to pray the will of God in our life. But Saul comes on, on scene, and he's ruling them, and he's a king, but he's not a priest. And what happens? Pride comes in, he's man-pleasing, and he fails. But then God brings King David, and he said, this is a man after my own heart. That he would take off his royal robe and just dance among the people in the presence of God. And he says, I'll be undignified for the Lord. And he was the most powerful king because he was king and priest. He had intimacy with God. I mean, you read the Psalms and you're like, oh my gosh, he's a better writer than a woman. The words, the heart to the Lord. But he was a man's man. He was a warrior. He was a fighter. And it's because he was a lover of Jesus. And he was a warrior in the kingdom of God. And when we are a lover of Jesus and we're in the presence of God, it doesn't make us weak. It makes us strong. His love makes us warriors that we're not afraid of the enemy. And we start going after the things that are trying to attack us and our nation and our kids. Because we know his love for us. We know who we are. But when we forget to be priests and get into the presence of the Lord, we forget who he is. And we start working in our own strength. It's prideful. A prayerless life is pride. Ouch. I'm telling that to myself too. A prayerless life is pride because we're saying, I don't need God. I got this. I know the word. I'm just going to command. I'm going to say, I got this. We don't have anything without Jesus. It's king and priest. We have to have both. Prayer is crucial to our walk with God. It keeps us humble. It keeps us in the presence. God absolutely wants to use us to do great things. But first, he wants to be close to us. He loves us. He loves us. You know, I think about my kids. I want my kids to be so successful and do great things for the Lord. But my ultimate goal is to have relationship with my kids. Like, I want relationship no matter what they do. But we can do both, right? But I love my kids. That's how Father God thinks of us. Like, yeah, I want to use you for great things. But you know what? More than anything, I just like to be with you. You know that he enjoys being with us? That's a crazy thought. I mean, right? The creator of heaven and earth created you specifically. I'm not just talking about corporately. You. He loves you. He created you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to tell mysteries to you. He wants to tell secrets to you. He wants to put his heart burdens on you that you can intercede and pray and reach people. We're all about the Father's business and what until he comes, till Jesus comes. There's so much to do. And if each one of us do what God has called us to do, the whole world would hear the good news, would feel the love of God. Anything we do not birthed in prayer is man you factured by self. James, I thought you would like that. Manufactured by self, anything we do, not birthed in prayer. God needs us to be still with him. Be still. It's hard for us to be still. 
Ben and I were listening to uh, something this weekend where it said that 30 years ago, the attention span of a, a child was, was it 20 minutes? Eight minutes. Eight minutes. The attention, okay, who works in kids here? <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, today, eight seconds. Eight seconds. The attention span. And I'm telling you, adults is not that much more. <laughs> they say if you preach more than 20 minutes, you've lost them. I'm like, I'm barely getting started after 20 minutes. That's my intro. <laughs> and you know, we're thinking about lunch, what we have to do this week. Pay attention. <laughs> That's why we have the presence of God. It helps. Even when we don't pay attention, the Holy Spirit's like, nope, I'm getting that in there. But to be still, like, you have no agenda. I'm just going to be still in the presence of God. Oh, those are powerful moments before the Lord that he can actually speak to us, that we're quiet enough to hear the voice of the Lord, that still, small voice. One word can change your whole day, your whole week, your whole life. One word from God. But sometimes we're so busy, or we're telling him everything, and we never give him talk time. Does anybody have a friend like that? <laughs> it's hard. It's all about them. Don't be that friend to God. Let him talk to you. He has something way more important than what you tell him. He knows what we need. Anything we do not birthed in prayer is usually manufactured by self. You know, being pastors for a long time, we have seen people make life-altering decisions. And when they tell us what they're doing, we just ask them, or they're like, what do you think? And we're like, well, have you prayed about it? No, but we just know. We just know. Like, okay, like you're moving to another state, you're uprooting your family, moving to another church, like all these things, starting a business, starting a ministry without praying about it, that's risky business because we think we know what is right, but God knows the truth. And it is so easy to be in the soulless realm. The soulless realm feels so real, but the mind of Christ is when we're in the spirit. It's not the soulless realm. And even if you know that you know, you have time to pray still and letting God confirm it to you. He will. It's just that we get so impatient. We want it now. We want it now. We want it now. And we jump into it. I know for us, our biggest mistakes in life, business deals, starting things, have been the times we made a decision not birthed in prayer. Oh, we learned the hard way. God's so good and he redeems everything, but it's easier to pray. But when you pray, when you, when you pray and you get into the Father's will for your life and when he speaks, it is always accompanied by power, anointing, and favor. I want to do things that there's favor on. It's God's idea and he actually makes it easier. We are called to do the impossible, but when he calls us, there's a supernatural favor on it. So people are like, how are you doing that? How can you do that? Because it's God's will. It was birthed in prayer. So there's this favor on it and anointing and power on it. You can feel the difference. You know when you're striving and when you're not. And you can tell when somebody's striving too. And anyway, I gently like to ask people like, 
so did God speak this? Like, is this in prayer? Because I see them striving so hard, and we don't have to strive. We get to enter into rest and do the works that Jesus created for us. Kingdom rest. You know what's so fascinating about the life of Jesus is I think we just assume that, you know, he came on earth and he just knew everything he was supposed to do. But did you know he did not? He had to go often. The Bible says Jesus went and prayed as it was his habit. And you will see that he went often into a secret place to get Father's heart for that day. He got the download in the presence to walk out what he was going to do. It was a daily habit that Jesus had. Jesus prayed alone. Jesus prayed a lot. He prayed in public. He prayed for God's will. He prayed before meals. He prayed and fasted 40 days before starting his ministry. He prayed before big decisions. You know, the night before he called his 12 disciples, he was up all night praying, asking God, who am I going to call? I don't know if he would have called all those fishermen and those, you know, Judas. and But God handpicked. Father God had the ones. And he got the download in the secret place for what he was going to do. I believe every miracle that Jesus did was first, first birthed in prayer and in the presence of God. And then he just walked in it like nothing, right? He just knew. He just knew and commanded, and he was a great king. We're called to minister to the Lord. What does that mean, minister to the Lord? That's what the priest did. They ministered to the Lord. It's saying, God, what is on your heart? What's on your heart? You know that God has things on his heart? <laughs> He has things that he wants to tell us, that he needs us to hear his heart, to pray and do on earth. There's people who need prayer so desperately, and it's you and I that are willing to sacrifice our time and stand in the gap for those who are hurting. We can talk about it all the time, but it's actually us standing in the gap and praying about it. I've been reading um, a couple books on Mother Teresa. Her life is fascinating to me. What a woman of God. I know that she's Catholic, but she was born again. People like diplomats, kings, presidents just wanted to be in her presence because every single one of them said that in her presence there was a tangible love that they could feel. Just the love of God. They just wanted to be around her. People who had no peace, if they could just get in her presence, peace just came all over them. Talk about what Ben was talking about, releasing peace. Her life was just amazing. And the life, she changed history. She changed history. I love a quote that um, she said. She has a lot of quotes on prayer. Uh, every single book that I've read, it points back to her life and her prayer life. Everything she did because she was a woman of prayer. She would start her day with three hours of prayer. Now, you know, she was into full-time ministry, and she had the time. <laughs> so we don't have to compare ourselves to that. But she did supernatural things. 
No wonder she exuded the love of God. She stayed in the presence for three hours. I mean, that's so powerful. But this quote she said about prayer was so powerful. I'm going to read this. She said, if we only say prayers, then naturally you might not be praying. And what she means is, if it's just lip service in religion. She says to pray, this is so powerful, is to be completely united with Jesus in a way that allows him to pray in us, with us, and through us. Cleaving to each other. Jesus and I is prayer. And we're all called to pray like this. That's powerful, right? That's abiding. That's abiding in Christ, that we're so one with God that our prayers are now just intertwined with his heart. She goes, that's what prayer is. Being so united, completely united with the Lord that we hear his heart and we are just making intercessions that make demons flee. That your prayers would so scare the enemy because it's with authority and love and it's the Father's heart. This is how Jesus prayed. And he said, I'm about my father's business. He was not with his own agenda. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous man has so much power. I think we underestimate prayer. Now, the righteous man, if anyone is in Christ, he's given the gift of righteousness. It's not our own righteousness. Jesus said, here, here's my righteousness, and now you are righteous. So that means anybody who is a believer is the righteousness of God. And that when you pray, you have no idea the power that is going out from you. I wish we could see the spiritual realm. Because I think if we could see the spiritual realm and see the angels coming from heaven and demons fleeing, you couldn't stop us from praying. It's so powerful. Remember, Daniel prayed, and God released a mighty angel, but then there was war in the heavenlies, and they were fighting, and he didn't give up prayer. He kept praying and praying and praying, and the answer came. Our prayer is powerful. It releases ministering angels. You know, Jesus will release ministering angels, but we have to pray. James says, you have not because you ask not. What? We have not because we ask not. That means we have to start praying. We underestimate prayer. If we would turn all of our complaining, uh-oh, gossip, frustrations, to prayer of faith, our lives would look different. This world would look different. Christians are so good about calling out what's going on and what's wrong. Aren't we? Oh, we can tell you what's wrong with everybody and everything. The government, the church, people. We're really good. We have that gift of discernment. <laughs> but could we close our mouth, get to the word of God, and declare the word of God in prayer and get in the... That would change everything. That would change everything. I'm telling you, there's so many times I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. And he's like, so are you going to be frustrated? Are you going to complain? Are you going to keep talking about that, Kara? Or do you want to get on your knees and ask? I'm like, oh, yes. Philippians 4 says, be anxious for nothing, but pray about everything. What that could say, too, is stop complaining and pray. I got your back. I want to do it. 
but you have to pray and connect with me. James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. And then he goes on to say, and sometimes you're asking, but you're so stinking selfish. Okay, he didn't say stinking. <laughs> that God's not going to fulfill it in your life because it's not good for you. That means that we have to get in the presence of God so we know what's good for us. So if you're saying these selfish prayers, you're not going to get it. And if you're not praying, you're not going to get it. 100% of prayers not prayed are not going to be fulfilled in your life. There you go. So this year, Ben and I were really praying. And as a corporate family, we're praying and fasting. Like, okay, God, what are you going to do with us this year? What are you saying this year? That doesn't mean our core value and our vision changes. It means we're a prophetic church. We're going to hear what God says, and we're going to get on board with his agenda. Praise God, it doesn't work anyways. It would be dead religion if we don't hear the voice of the Lord. And the Lord really spoke evangelism and prayer this year. So I want to tell you something. I want you to get out your phones. There's a QR code coming up. You can get out your phones now, unless some of you are already on it because it's been past 20 minutes. <laughs> no shame. We are joining 30 churches in the valley for prayer and intercession, we are covering Arizona 24-7 for one year. Things are going to shift in the heavenlies. You guys, we need a shift in our nation. We need a shift in our state. Things are happening on our watch, on our watch, the church. We have authority over this, and we've got to pray. It's not okay. The human trafficking what's going on in our schools. You know, kids' YouTube is teaching kids how to be transgender, teaching kids drag shows, all kinds of things, how to disrespect parents. You know, First Timothy talks about in the end days, there's going to be so much selfishness, disobedience of parents, rebellion. And they're teaching this in the education system. And you and I are called to stand in the gap. We've got to step it up. So Vita Church is taking a day. We're going to take the second Friday of every month. And we're going to pray for 24 hours. Each one of us is going to take an hour. So what I'm asking you is would you give one hour a month to intercede? I don't think that's too much to ask. One hour. There's going to be a prayer guide. So you're not just praying whatever we're praying a specific prayer guide with scriptures. So this will take you, can you guys put on the website? Okay. So this will take you to weprayallday.com. Okay. And if you scroll down, this is not about any church. This is about the church. This is churches of many denominations coming together and saying, I don't care about our differences. It's about Jesus. It's about bringing his kingdom here, and things have to shift. And we're going to come into unity and see change in our state. So then you're going to click on, this is super easy, click on the 10th, because it's the second Friday of every month. Now, we are going to do Friday from 6 a.m. to Saturday to 6 a.m., and I talked to Jackie and Ivan and Jose, and the youth said they'll do a couple all-nighters this year for us, that they'll take the night hours. 
So will the adults. That's right, James. Those night owls, you go. I'll do morning hours. I'm a morning person. <laughs> I did so many. No, I will sacrifice my sleep to see change in Arizona. Okay, so you'll put your name, your last name, email, phone number. And then community, you're going to put Vita Church. Did you already sign up, Sarah? All right. Well, here's the thing. They're going to send you a reminder text of your hour and a prayer guide. And we'll also have prayer guides printed out so you can have a physical one or it will send you. So you just pray that prayer guide. If you're thinking, wait, how do you pray for an hour? That seems like crazy. Well, you watch. It goes by so fast. But it will tell you. We're going to hit the, the different mountains, the media, the education, the government. We're going to hit all of those. There's scriptures. But when you choose our church, the last part are three specific prayers that we're believing for for Vita Church. So you're praying for our church too, but we're praying for the lost. I'm telling you, if we get on board, we're going to see there's cities that have done this, and they've seen transformation. They've seen miracles, signs, wonders, re revival happening, crime going down. The church is flooded with the lost. When they adopt this, there's been a couple cities that have done this, and the testimonies are just coming in when the church would just start interceding. And it's like the lost are coming to us, help us. They're flooding the churches because they're desperate because our prayers is shifting everything in their life. It's lifting the demonic, lifting the veil so they can see Jesus.